obviously front lawns are a terrible idea. I mean, Hank, what do all of these front lawns have in common? No one is using them. They're just sitting there sucking four billion gallons of drinking water every fracking day. Also, in order to maintain this completely unnatural plant monoculture, we use 70 million pounds of pesticides every year on our grass. Grass which, I will remind you, does not feed us. I'm sorry, Hank, but it is very hot, and just like characters in Victorian novels, the temperature reflects my temperament. 70 million pounds of pesticides a year, it's ridiculous. And the most ridiculous part is that I'm out there with them, trying to make sure that my grass looks okay so my neighbors don't get mad at me. Now, I think there are some advantages to lawns. Grass turns carbon dioxide into oxygen, although it's hardly the most efficient carbon sink. And there's some soil erosion benefits, although we'd all be better off if we had like a big mix of plants in our front yard. And we'd be better off still if we had vegetable gardens. So how did we end up with the disaster that is the front lawn? The British. That's right, Hank. We threw off their colonial yoke and said no to taxation without representation, but they got us on the lawns. Live from the Genesis Art Supply Building on North Elston Avenue, just this side of the concrete-encrusted banks of the north branch of the Chicago River, it's the Mike Novak Show, still Chicago's only locally broadcast deep green gardening and environment program, heard every Sunday on Q4 Radio and at MikeNovak.net. Good planets hard to find, temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas, wind blowing through breathing trees, strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Nothing stopping him from running for president, except for the fear of getting shin splints. Here he is, Mike Novak. Testing mic one. Testing mic two. Testing mic three. All right. Oh, one more. Testing mic four. One more time. All right. We've got them all working. Yay. They're not necessarily in the order that I thought they would be here, but uh, here we are. And I can hear the traffic streaming through the windows outside. It's, you know, it's all about ambiance, mm-hmm. isn't it? Or ambience. Ambience, <laughs> ambience. If, if you live in America, but if America. you're, but if, oh, America, that's right, America, and you're voting for Donald Trump. I realized something um, just yesterday because of the second hour of the show when we're going to be talking to Tom Nowak, and yes, it's pronounced Nowak, and he's sitting in the room here. Uh, you know, he's sitting through the first hour, and he may leave before <laughs> the second hour gets here <laughs> if he... If he's smart. Oh uh, and uh, Ian Monroe will be here also. Uh, and th- we're going to be talking about socially responsible and fossil-free investing. Okay. And I realized as I was writing about that yesterday and putting the show together, I have something in common with Donald Trump, I realized. Uh, and that is... If you looked at our tax statements, and here's the difference, is that I'll release my tax statement. Uh, the Donald will not. But if you looked at both of our tax statements, you'd realize that we make a lot less money than everybody thinks we do. Okay? Because, you know, people, when you're on radio, folks go, oh, well, he's a radio guy. He must be, 
And, and I know that Tom's looking around and looking at what's on the walls here and, and goes, oh, this guy doesn't make any money. Okay. <laughs> he wouldn't be here if that were the case. Neither would you, Peggy, by the way. Okay. I, I'll have you know. Uh, and uh, uh, George is here this morning again. I don't know whether to call him. Uh, he's part of the team. Are you an intern, George? Is that what's going on yeah, here? Yeah, sure. Intern sounds good. <laughs> intern George. No, it doesn't. You could hear him go, oh, my God. God, he just called me an intern. How, how embarrassing. Now, George is, has, George is helping us out with, with various stuff. We're not exactly sure what that stuff is yet, but uh, uh, it's good to have you here. Uh, and today's show is jam-packed, so I, I need to get really right to it because we had a lot of people on the show this morning. Starting, uh, I mentioned before, uh, Tom Nowak and Ian Monroe, that's in the second hour, uh, talk about investing uh, in a responsible way. And I've been meaning to do this since, well, uh, Tom accosted me like a year and a half ago when I was doing a, a rally out at Daily Plaza. He said, you should do this on your show. This is back when I was at Progresso Radio. Um, and I, I had to wait till I got, <laughs> I got to the pirate radio station before I did this. Um, uh, and uh, Rick DeMaio Weather of 1045 as always. And now back to the first hour. We're going to start in just a second with Steve Newman from Logic Lawn Care. LogicLawnCare.com gets a beer ding for that. Um, uh, Robert Neville will be here uh, at the bottom of the hour from KAM Isaiah Israel. They're doing a farm and food forest school this summer, and anybody can join and go to the free classes and learn how to do urban gardening and grow a food forest. How cool is that? They just planted a food forest there, too, and we'll talk about that. And, of course, they do wonderful things at KAM Isaiah Israel, and we'll talk about it when we get to him. Uh, then after, right after that, Rich and Susan Ayer, sometime, are we closing the window? Yes, because we're getting it blowing into the microphone. Oh, are you getting wind noise, actually? Are <laughs> yes. we getting wind noise? Yes. There's that much air coming in here? That's amazing. Just there we, oh. careful there. Careful. Oh, much better. I think that one's okay over there. It's just no, let's let let's take them both take down because then we'll get rid of the traffic noise too. <laughs> At least got, no one's snoring. We got mic. wind noise in the mics and traffic noise. That's a little better. I can still hear a little bit of the traffic. Uh, Rich and Susan Air from Rich's Fox Willow Pines in Woodstock, Illinois. Um, uh, they are having their annual, and they do it sometimes a couple of times a year, Hosta Sale and Bolivian Arts and Crafts fundraiser on. Uh, the 4th of June, but the, the reason I've got them on this time, and I've talked to them about this before, and I've been up there and I've spoken at it, the reason is there's a, a, a tribute to Margaret Eyre, um, Rich's mom, who died this year in January at the age of 97 after being out there helping divide hostas, help, helping sell hostas, raising money for Heifer International, raising money for Mano a Mano, International. I mean, just an amazing woman, and we'll talk about that and why folks should go out and buy a hosta in her name, you know, or go out and buy a conifer if you want. If you've never been out to Rich's Foxville Pines, pretty amazing place. So uh, that will also happen in the first hour. But let us turn our attention right now to the guy sitting across from me, Steve Newman from Logic Lawn Care. Steve, good morning. 
How are you, Mike? I'm good, and you're here. You finally... I, I am. Thanks I, for having me. I finally Thanks got, for keep asking. I, I know. <laughs> I, I, I've had other folks like that, too. I say, come on and do the show. Oh, no. I couldn't do the show. Oh, no, I couldn't be on the radio. Well, see, it's a lot more comfortable here than, in, right. you know, a, than a radio station that actually goes out on the airwaves. This is very different, right? And you picked our busiest time of year to give me a nice break, so I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Would you be out on a Sunday morning doing stuff? Not the holiday weekend. We, do, uh, we are taking three days off this weekend. You are? Okay. Yes. Well, although, this, as you say, this is kind of... This is the time when folks are really working on their lawns. Absolutely. Now is a great time to be doing things to your lawn. Uh, <laughs> I like the way you put that, doing things to your lawn. Yeah, I, I got something I want to do to my lawn. I'll tell <laughs> yeah, you thanks what for I, that nice setup at the beginning of the show. Uh, You're trying well, to put me out of business, aren't you? <laughs> um, well, but you know, that it's all connected. It's a balance. It is a balance because a lot of folks, uh, like me, have lawns. Um, I'm not exactly, I know why. So I can walk on my bare feet in my backyard uh-huh. and that's it. Um, and I don't, as I wrote, uh, at MikeNovak.net. and by the way, oh, and I should tell folks who are listening right now, you can always go to MikeNovak.net and read about this week's show. I've got all the information, go to Facebook, post there, go to Twitter. Uh, we are streaming live on Facebook Ooh. through Q4. So, yes. uh, we need to post that as well on Facebook. Uh, let folks know that if they go to Q4, they can hit the stream live button and listen to the show right now. How cool is that? So if anybody is doing that this morning, listening to us live on on Facebook, not Twitter, uh, if you're listening to us live on Facebook, you got to let us know. Shoot us a, a message or give us a call. And the phone number is 312-985-7834. And, and that's on my website, too. And they can catch it in their car on the TuneIn app, too. That's right. right. There's all kinds of places you can. You don't need real airwaves, radio airwaves. Come on. Uh, so to get back to what I wrote about my lawn is, I haven't done anything except every pull a couple of weeds in years to my lawn. And I took a photo of it. You know what? I have it here. I didn't post it, and I probably should have. But I'm going to show this to you very quickly if I can get it to come up on my smartphone which is sometimes smart and sometimes not um and this yeah you're gonna like this steve okay that's my lawn in my backyard with no treatments basically i don't do anything except pull weeds i don't i haven't aerated in years i haven't put compost down uh I i certainly don't put fertilizer down i certainly don't put pesticides down and yet the lawn Handles itself pretty well. I mean, I I, 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 I actually haven't even overseeded in a while. And and it just continues to look good. Now, am I lucky? Um, I wouldn't say you're lucky. The lawn, as you've stated, is going to green up in the spring. The, the people providing services to lawns aren't the ones that are turning green. All the lawns are going to turn green. Let's, let's, let's stop right there, okay? Uh, that's a really good point because one of the things that the big lawn care companies want to sell you is the idea that you have to put fertilizer down first thing in the spring because otherwise your lawn won't green up. Um, that's not true, is it? It's going to green up. <laughs> anyway, right? Correct. They're what we call no-care lawn and natural-care lawn. 
natural lawn care. So what you're doing is is no care lawn care. <laughs> right. Well, that's not true. I do mow. I do. I trim a little bit, and I pull weeds. Right. So some some care lawn care. Mm-hmm. And your your area is quite small. Um, yeah. That's the other thing. It's, that's the advantage I have. It's very small, so it's easy to maintain. Exactly. So on larger swaths, uh, areas that are going to get lots of traffic, um, you are going to need to do some things or you're, you will see deterioration. The weeding job gets a little bit more difficult. Um, so that's, that's where doing proper practices throughout the year is going to give you that good natural lawn um, and has benefits like stormwater uh, ma- management. A good maintained lawn is going to be able to uh, soak up a lot more stormwater than one that's not. It's going to run off similar to concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start there with somebody who comes to you and says, uh, my lawn really looks bad. Um, how do I make it better? And what are the expectations they're going to have from you? I mean, one of the things that I've, I've learned over the years with natural lawn care companies is the hardest thing for them is managing the expectations of their clients. Uh, and you're nodding. In, in the, Correct. Yeah, because the people expect to have a green carpet when you're done, and that might not necessarily be what you can give them. Am I right about that? Yes, they want immediate results, and that's the advantage a chemical pesticide gives you is you can apply it, and 48 hours later, you've satisfied the customer's expectation. Mm-hmm. With a natural lawn, it's, it takes longer. It's more of a process. You can absolutely achieve the same results and, I would argue, quite a bit better uh, results, but it does take more time. Why? Because it's not an immediate. It's nature. It's it's not an immediate uh, kill. We're going to suppress weeds. We're going to start growing grass. Grass only wants to grow certain times of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, one- well, 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 the the grass we grow here. I mean, whatever turf you use. Okay, let's say you use you know, Kentucky bluegrass or mm-hmm. fescues or rye, they like to green up in the spring. Yep, they're cool weather grass. Cool, uh, and they don't like the summer very much. They sulk. Correct. If and, you use buffalo grass, though, for example, it would enjoy the summer. Which is a native. Correct. Buffalo grass, won't you come out tonight? Won't you come out tonight? <laughs> I don't know. I just Every time I hear that buffalo grass, i got to do that. In both warm and cool season grasses have those dormant periods of time. So when you're trying to improve the health of your grass... You need to wait till those periods of time where they're actively growing. Uh huh. And so, as I said, in the summer, it's, it's not, that's not so much. But in the fall, again, which is the best time to work on your lawn, correct? Spring is a good a good second uh, time, but fall is the best time. And, and and again, this is my argument and my frustration with the big companies out there. And by the way, I've uh, uh, on my website, MikeNovak.net. If you go to this week's show. I've explained how lawn care step programs work. You know what I found out yesterday? That What's that? Scott's has copyrighted four step. They they you you go to their website and there's a little copyright symbol after four step program. And I went, huh. Are you kidding me? What other are you gonna copyright lawns too or the word grass? Right. Um 
So what I have on mine is how lawn care step programs work. And you've seen these on television. Although I'm, I've been in this business too long because I go into garden talks and I assume people have all heard of the four-step program and they know what that is. Now, you're nodding. Uh, I've heard of it. Yeah. Peggy, yeah. yeah. Um, but at least you've heard of it and a lot of people haven't. Um, I, and I'm surprised because I figure they've been flooded with this and they've been brainwashed by this on television for decades, decades. Um, but a lot of people no, never heard of it, uh, but they do understand the concept that, you, you know, you go out and you, you get fertilizer in the spring and then you do some, then you add the weed killer and then you add some other stuff and then you add some more stuff in the fall and that's how you're supposed to do it. Uh, here's how I explain how four-step programs work. Step one Apply lawn fertilizer with too much nitrogen, weakening your lawn to insects and diseases. Step two, apply insect and disease control to cure the problems created by over-fertilization. Step three, plant grass seed to repair the damage caused by steps one and two. Step four, return to step one. <laughs> Shake and stir. <laughs> exactly. Rinse, repeat. Uh, and there's some truth to that, isn't there? It's the problem with the synthetic fertilizers. It's the problem with the weed and feeds. Um, so those four-step problems are are problematic. The way I look at it is that we're just putting too much fertilizer. First of all, I'm not a fan of um, of the chemicals that are used to kill weeds. Okay, there's and and if you go to the places like the Garden Professors, have you ever been to the Garden Professors blog? I have not. You need to go. Of course, you will. It will scare you because um, it scares me. Uh, but they have these whole discussions, and everything is science based on there. And um, um, and I should say, and and it sounds like I don't, I don't agree with science based, but they get so lost in the weeds about what works and what doesn't, and so they get into these arguments about is Roundup effective. Um, should anybody use Roundup? And if people say, no, you should never use Roundup, they go, well, show me the science that, uh, you know, and, and those people usually back down pretty quickly. Right. Um, and then they, even when they talk about things like using vinegar, people go, well, you know, if you use a horticultural strength vinegar, 20%, that's very toxic and you can hurt yourself. And it's true. Mm-hmm. So they go, they get, they go into the weeds, so to speak, on all these different things. Um, but they're you know, that, that leads to questions about how do you get rid of weeds and what do you guys do at Logic Lawn Care? Yeah, well, like a weed and feed's a real inefficient way if you're using a chemical. To Can get, we explain what weed and feed is, by the way? <laughs> I, I like your oh my explanation. My expa- oh well, it's, I call <laughs> it, it like po- food plus poison. <laughs> no, poison and fertilizer. Right. Why do they call it weed and feed? Because nobody would buy it if they called it poison and fertilizer. Okay, right. <laughs> uh, but the point is. Um, explain what actually weed and feed is, though. Yeah, it's, it's a fertilizer with the chemical in a granular fertilizer attached. It's a real inefficient way to get that chemical onto the leaf to, to be effective. Why, why is it inefficient? Because applying it with a liquid with a sprayer is, is much more efficient. The, the granular is going to fall down into the soil and then not do its job. The reason they sell it that way is because the homeowners don't have the... So that granule is supposed to land on the leaf to be effective? Yep, and the dew and the moisture then um, allow some of that chemical to get onto the, the plant. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other inefficient part of it is that um, you should only probably be using half of the bag on your property, and then that ends up in the garage, or you overapply it, it et cetera. Well, you know the American way. If some is good, more, more is better. Is better. <laughs> but, but wait, okay, that's the American way. All right. So at, at Logic, we, we start with aeration and seeding. If you want to get rid of your weeds, start with growing grass. Um, aeration is going to help fill in the... Isn't that a tautology, though, or something? It's like, uh, if you want to have grass, grow grass. Exactly. Wow. That's a concept. I like that. If you want grass, grow grass. Yeah, and people don't think of it that way. And why now is a really good time to do some of these practices is because the grass is actively growing. In March... You see a lot of the companies come out very early and start aerating and doing some of those spring cleanup services. Mm -hmm. It's too early to get the real effectiveness out of that aeration because the grass is not ready to respond. Now the grass, if you aerate, will respond and fill in the gaps, then pushing out uh, the weeds. Let's stop and talk about that for a second. Uh, First of all, uh, we're talking to Steve Newman from Logic Lawn Care, and uh, you can go to the website, which is logiclawncare.com. Uh, the headline I used, uh, uh, and you probably have used this before uh, on my when I was writing about it, and it just kind of popped into my head, is the logic of natural lawn care. And that's what there is a logic to natural lawn care. Uh, but the tenets of natural lawn care, you're, you're talking about some of it right now, which mm-hmm. is core aerate. Correct. Um, add compost, overseed, Correct. meaning you know, bring in more seed, mow high, and water deeply. Uh, am I missing anything there? Nope. That's a good um, recap. Um, we talk about it with uh, core aeration, seeding, applying organic fertilizer, and then uh, natural. Weed, right. Weed if you control. want, and if you want to fertilize, um, and, and let's talk about the fertilization. Uh, aspect a little bit no no wait we'll do that in a second don't let me get away without talking about it but you i don't i interrupted you when you're talking about core aeration why is that so important what exactly is it so you're running a machine over it's taking out two to three inch cores out of the lawn creating airspace one for water uh, but also then for the roots to expand so it is going to promote the growth of the grass Again, to then fill in the bare spots, thicken up the turf. It is the number one uh, practice that you can do to improve your turf. You you put that at the top of the list. Yeah. Core air, really? Really. Okay. Yep. Well, that makes sense because so many folks have lawns that are compacted, uh, which means if there's no air in there, uh, you can't get the roots down. Uh, It leads to problems like Creeping Charlie and other weeds correct and in our area even if you're not getting a lot of traffic like an athletic field on your your lawn just the nature of our soil types being uh, very clay they're compacted by nature because of the the soil profile that's a tweet george the number one way to fix your lawn is to core aerate and 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 let's let's clear up a couple of myths about that people think they can wear golf shoes out there or spikes and they that's core aeration nope that's not going to provide the same benefit yeah you can't not even sticking a a a gardening fork in there and moving it back and forth that's really that could do some good but it's you'd have you couldn't do for your whole lawn anyway right you're you could take this conversation to a whole nother level of types of aeration and athletic fields golf courses 
do use some aeration tools that stick a spike in there, do um, some vibrating, but that for a, a homeowner. But that's wand, a specialized it, tool that most uh, homeowners exactly. aren't going to have. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. So core aeration. We start with opening up the spaces in your lawn. All right. What about adding compost? Yep. So you know, the number one thing is aeration, but keep in mind when you want to do natural lawn care, you can't just, oh, I'm going to just do this this year. It really works best when you take it as a whole, a whole system together. Um, so you're going to aerate. If you can get a good organic compost down at the same time as that core aeration and then put some seed down as well, that's a home run. Um, it's not always so easy if you have a 5,000 square foot lawn to get three yards of compost and two wheelbarrows and three people to apply all that. Um, but that is a, a fantastic practice. But, but and, and we do do that at Logic. So you do, you know, and that helps folks out because, uh, as you say, a lot of folks might not have the energy or the wherewithal to spread compost on their lawn. And some of them just look at you funny. When you say, well, we, we, we need to put compost on the lawn and because they've been uh, trained to think that, well, all you need to do is put blue granules on your lawn and uh, everything will grow great. Right. Um, they're not thinking about the biological processes uh, there. And I, uh, it's important to understand you can be successful without bringing three yards of compost to your lawn. If you just aerated and then put that seed down, you're you're going to be successful if you can add that um, organic material. That's just going to help. Well, isn't that going to help retain water if you add the organic material as well? And bring life uh, to the soil and allow the soil to do the work for you uh, of providing nitrogen to the grass plant. Because the you grass just, plant does need nitrogen. And it needs biology. As you said, you're bringing life to the soil. And it's, that's another point, which is, and as I tell folks, it's the biology, stupid um, when you add compost to your soil, you're not adding necessarily tilth or, or, or dirt. You're adding biology to your soil. Just like when you add compost to your garden bed, you're adding biology to your garden bed. Be right. It's um, a great way to fertilize your vegetables is adding worm castings, for example. Exactly. So you can do that to your lawn, and it will make your grass plants healthier, your turf. Yes. All right. Uh, so we've gone through uh, core aeration, overseeding, compost. Um, what about weeds? How do you how do you control weeds? And this is where you get into trouble. I, I mentioned at the top of our conversation with your clients sometimes in their expectations. How do you manage that? And and what do you do about weeds? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's it's really the hardest thing about natural lawn care is setting the expectation, and it requires a lot of education. Um, because people want a great-looking lawn. Um, they want it now. So you do have to explain. They want it yesterday. Exactly. Um, you we have, have to... a party in two hours. Where is it? <laughs> exactly. Um, and what I explain to people is that right away when you start working with us, uh, you're going to see improvement. But all the things we're doing this year is we're growing grass for next year. So if you started right now, if you haven't done anything, like your your lawn is a perfect example, Mike. We'll be calling you on Tuesday. Okay. Um, Please do. Start start doing uh, some good practices now, like aerating, uh, putting organic fertilizer down. Do it again in the fall, 
And then by spring, so the expectation I'm setting is in the spring, you're going to see dramatic improvement um, to the thickness of your lawn, the color of your lawn, the enjoyment of walking on your lawn, um, etc. But I can provide immediate improvement uh, to the weed reduction. And we do that through aeration, seeding, and then we have some natural weed controls that help us suppress the weeds so that while we're suppressing the weeds we're growing grass and now we're successful and, and and the point you're making here is that if you have strong turf it will outcompete your weeds um but what are the now and one of the things i noticed when i went to your website is that if necessary you will use some of the what we call traditional or I don't know. What's the other way? Standard. Conventional. Of, conventional. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. Right. Means of, meaning like glyphosate, which is Roundup? On lawns, you generally don't use uh, glyphosate. Uh, some homeowners take it upon themselves. Well, if you to, spot treat, you know, but you're still killing everything. Exactly. It's it's not yeah. wise to use that on, on your lawn. There's broadleaf weed controls. Uh, so what kind of broadleaf weed controls do you use? Well, so... Back to how you you brought up uh, the issue, when necessary is up to the customer. So that's part of that meeting expectations. Ah, okay. For us to meet expectations, if your expectation is, as you mentioned, you know, I, I need it to look good on Friday, <laughs> or you know, we we want it turned around very very quickly, then we will come in with what we call a rescue treatment, um, and that's where triage exactly. <laughs> That's where integrated pest management comes in, where we're going to use the least toxic uh, product to solve the problem uh, based on certain thresholds. So we'll go down to the next least toxic product. And that's that's the whole point of IPM is that you start with the least toxic way of dealing with uh, a pest, uh, and then you work your way to the more toxic because – and that's – in America, what we've done is turn that on its head. Everybody reaches on the shelf at the big box store for the most toxic because it says kills pests, right. and that's all they're looking at. They're they're not interested in the, the biology. They're not interested in how everything works together and things live together. They want something dead, basically. Now. Steve, right now, yesterday. I actually have a question for you concerning pests, and uh, I'm asking this on my Nana's behalf. <laughs> as she's got a grub in her lawn. And oh, I'm so uh-oh. glad you brought up grubs. She was one. She has one grub. Well, I know how to get rid of just that. One grub. Uh, and the guy who takes care of her lawn was saying the natural way to get rid of them is to walk uh, on the lawn with spiked shoes that have like these three-inch uh, long uh, metal spikes on them. Wow. And I guess as you walk through, you you kill them because the grub are only two inches down. Have you heard of that? Does that work? I have not heard I've of that. I've never that's... heard of that as an effective method. It <laughs> sounds goofy to me. Yeah. Um, wow. It, it'll work just as well as some of the methods I could talk about, um, but I don't think she has to go to that uh, length to Well, I would be walking problem. it, so I just want to... I would tell her professionals have told you otherwise. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say don't waste your time. Okay. Right. Uh, but that's interesting. Uh, but getting back to grubs, what do you tell people about grubs? Yeah, the place because that's the one they always say. Well, you know, my uh, I pulled on my turf, it came up like a bad toupee. I've got grubs. 
Right. It's it's lawn care upsell 101 too cuz it's got fear attached to it. So it's it's the thing that all lawn care companies want to talk about and and upsell. How we explain it is first assessing what the problem is. Do you have a grub problem meaning the grubs are literally eating the roots away and killing your lawn or in 99% of the time what the case is is you have a skunk problem. You have some grubs and the skunks are coming. They literally come for a couple, three weeks in the fall uh, every single year, and they're eating the grubs. And when they do so, they're tearing up the lawn, and that frightens people. They think their lawn is uh, going to die. And really the answer to that is back to the thick and healthy lawn. Uh, A thick and healthy lawn can withstand a lot of grubs, right? Correct. So I've got um, examples, and in fact... uh, in our industry uh, magazine, there's going to be um, an article about this in the, in the next issue where there's going to be some pictures. I've gone to a site, and in literally five minutes, you can rake up their mess, tamp down where they've uh, disturbed the lawn, let nature water it in, and everything's fine. Uh, took less time, didn't use an insecticide, and didn't spend the money on uh, grub control. And I think the important thing to, to, to point out to people is that if you have some grubs in your lawn you don't necessarily have a grub problem thank you you, you have grubs thank you there's a difference because i've tr- i've had this conversation with many clients and then i get a call back we found a grub <laughs> oh, no. it is a, it is a grub problem and that that's a very good point thank you for making it because the, the grubs are part of part of the circle of yeah, life. It's a biosystem. You're going to have a grub. Yeah. Well, right. any gardener knows that when you dig in your yard, you're going to find grubs in your garden bed. And what you do is you throw them into your neighbor's yard. All right? Uh, and then you've controlled your grub problem. But the point is, you're going to find grubs. They're in the soil, just like worms are in the soil, just like ants are going to be there. I had somebody write to me on Facebook the other day and say, I've got ants all over my yard. There's a lot of them. Right. They're not bothering me at all, but should I be concerned? And my, <laughs> I res- my response was, in a word, no. Okay, let's move on here. They're not bothering you. Their ants are there. They're out in the wild. And we talk about scouting a lot um, because before you pr- apply a product, let's determine if you have a real problem. And your listeners can do this. Just take a spade, cut out a, a one-foot-by-one-foot section of your lawn, peel it back. If you have 16... One six sixteen grubs within that square foot. Now send the alarms. Call us up. Now you potentially have a grub problem. But in most cases, that's not going to be the case. Then just apply that uh, turf back down, and it's as good as new. Let me ask you, uh, and we we're, we need to wrap up. Unfortunately, how often do you find somebody with that kind of a grub problem? I've had two in eight years. There you go, folks. But, and 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 and, you, and this this is the kind of stuff we need to hammer home because, and the problem is we're outgunned here. We're 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 outmanned, uh, Steve, uh, because it's you and me on this radio show saying you don't need this, you don't have a grub problem. But we're going to go home. Uh, these folks are going to be watching the golf tournament, the baseball. Uh, game and the big companies and we know who they are scots are going to uh have these commercials that say you have to take care of your grub problem right now because you have grubs and you need to put these chemicals in the ground uh we can't compete with that 
ex- the best we can do is what we're doing right now is get the word out. Right. Ex- exactly. Uh, that's Steve Newman from Logic Lawn Care. What did I miss? Um, uh, if, if folks uh, want uh, to hire you, where what areas do you work in uh, around Chicago? Yep, we go up to uh, Lake Forest, Lake Bluff, um, out to Libertyville, Mundelein. Um, that's a uh, Peggy's neck of the woods. There, you can excellent <laughs> uh, down through Northbrook, um, out to like Park Ridge, Desplaines, and then into the city to about Montrose. Uh, Avenue. Wait, 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 wait. I'm, I'm, I'm at Armitage. And we make special visits we'll to special, special people. Actually, <laughs> he made a special visit to a friend of mine out in Indiana. Uh, and we did, okay, I'm going to cop to it here. We did a little core aeration. We did. Overseeding and composting. Yep. You, uh, had, you had poor training. I had, <laughs> because you were training me, yes. yes. And Steve, let me run the core aerator. Have you ever run one of those no. things? Okay. First of all, it's, you might as well try to drive a Sherman tank, okay, uh, except that you're doing with handlebars, right. uh, and it will drag you around, and um, I bumped a, a car, a neighbor's car with, with the core area. Straight across the lawn, I right was, into the neighbor's right, car. Boom, right into the neighbor's car. That's not car. the neighbor you threw the grubs into their yard, is it? No, that was a different neighbor. Okay, okay yeah. Well, this wasn't my neighbor. Oh, he okay. was my friend's sure. neighbor because he lives in Indiana. So, so you could leave town. Okay. He uh, he had to deal with the neighbor. He, oh, yeah. Well, uh, That's the guy with the Illinois plates. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, Logic Lawn Care. Um, and in terms of what folks should be doing right now, what did I miss? As you go into summer, what do you tell people to think about? Yeah, right now you're still in a great window to core aerate and um, put down some good seed. We recommend rye seed right now because it's going to germinate real quick. Um, get some organic. Is that annual or perennial that you're per- perennial? Perennial. Yeah. Okay. Don't don't use the annual. Use the perennial. Okay. Um, and then get some good organic fertilizer down. You want to have a strong turf going into the summer, um, so that it can withstand the uh, the drought. The aeration is going to get stronger roots. Um, so. And but but in the drought, um, you just let your lawn go a little bit, don't you? You can go either if there's way. A drought. Yeah. If, if you don't have a really thick stand of grass, sometimes when you let the lawn go drought, um, the, the weeds can then take over. Right. So we do provide education to our clients on, on both mes- methods. And the other method is if you've got strong turf, let it go dormant. Yep. And then if, if you're still cultivating that strong turf, then do the one inch uh, per week that we talked about. Um, and make sure you're not watering now. Too too many times we see people watering now when we're getting they, they plenty of the water. They have the thing on, right. We're, we've got pl- That's the other thing, folks. If you're listening to this, we've had lots of water here in the Chicago area. You, storms the last few days. Please don't have your automatic sprinkler yeah. going on every day at in noon. The no, in the rain. Nobody in Chicagoland has needed to water their turf. Uh, and I'm sure some, some people have been. Uh, that's uh, Steve... I got you in the studio. See, it wasn't so bad. Thank you. It was great. I had a great time. Uh, And uh, I hope folks will uh, 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 take advantage of Logic Lawn Care and and read up on natural lawn care Uh, and talk to Steve and talk to other people. There's a a great book uh, by Paul Tukey called – and now I'm going to blank. Do you remember the name of Paul Tukey's book, The Natural Lawn Care Manual? Manual. Yeah. Um, And uh, that's a great way. That's a great place to start. Just Correct. to see what's going on, yeah. and, and if you if you just type in in a search engine "natural lawn care," you're going to get a lot of great sites and on that. Our Facebook uh, page also will put tips and like what are we doing this time of year? We'll, oh, great! We'll be doing throughout the year too on okay. our Facebook. Well, you're going to be back 
Excellent. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mike. Peggy, take it away. You're a gardener, and you've heard over and over again about how important it is to help our pollinators by putting native plants in your garden. And yet, you haven't really figured out how to make the switch. It's a little intimidating, right? You can never find the plants that you want. And you'd like some advice to go with those little blue stems, wouldn't you? Fear no more. Natural Communities native plants are here, and you can get them online at naturalcommunities.net. Natural Communities native plants are locally grown and sourced, featuring more than 150 species native to the Chicago region. They have convenient online shopping and mail delivery, but they also appear at local green events where you can get those questions answered. So garden with plants that have thousands of years of natural design behind them and that have been working for thousands of years with our local pollinators and other fauna. Garden with native plants. And in Chicagoland, the way to do that is with Natural Communities native plants. Go to naturalcommunities.net. And there's so much to know. But you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties, track and record your garden with photos and notes, share on Facebook and Twitter, and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get Homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow with Bonnie. Spending more time at home these days? Give yourself some room. Renovate your basement or attic. You'll increase your living space and your home's resale value, too. Trust DR Services Unlimited, 847-998-1687 for your remodeling needs, including additions, renovations, and other home improvements. Rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau and recommended on Angie's List. DR is a proud member of NARI. DR provides exceptional quality at a fair price. Contact DR at 847-998-1687 or at RestoreTheNorthShore.com. My buddy, Mike Novak, works for an outfit that is trying to take over the country, but in a good way. Here's what I mean. He writes a column for Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, and that magazine is published by the same folks who publish magazines in 21 states, from Minnesota to Florida, from Pennsylvania to Oklahoma. They're called State by State Gardening. And in most of the Midwest and the South, you can get your hands on a magazine that is going to teach you a lot about gardening in your own state. These great publications feature articles by some of the leading gardening experts in each state, including famous authors, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and even Mike. Well, you can't hit a home run in every at-bat. And who knows, if your state doesn't have a state-by-state gardening magazine, they might very soon. Subscribe today by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. That's 888-265-3600. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show on Q4 Radio. I didn't say that earlier. I guess I should. Q4 Radio, 1680 AM. But really, the place you're getting it today is Facebook. Isn't that interesting? That it is streaming live uh, on Facebook if you go to Q4 Radio on Facebook. How cool is that? And also cool is on the line right now, I believe I've got Robert Neville. Robert, are you there? I am, Mike. How are you this morning? Good. You sound great. Are you out in the? Oh, uh, are you are you out in the garden, or did you step in? I I, I stepped into uh, a, a sequestered area. Uh, <laughs> so, so 
so you, you wouldn't have to listen to some of the noises out there. Oh no, but see, those are those are great noises. Those are the noises we want to hear. Is the folks out uh, working? So, what kind of work is going on today? Well, this 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 morning we are uh, right at the moment we're doing a harvest of lettuces and radishes. Uh, we are going to uh, continue constructing trellises for the 110 tomato plants we'll be putting in next weekend. And uh, the seedlings that we've started here. Wait, wait, stop right uh, there. 110 tomato plants? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lordy, well, what are you, where are you going to well, fit them? Well, you know, we do a crop rotation. So uh, uh, I think um, about uh, 50 of them will go in the uh, here at KAM, and then uh, the rest will go at Kenwood United Church of Christ. Uh, we'll be up there this afternoon building trellises as well. Uh, I should mention that uh, Robert Neville is with the KAM, Isaiah Israel, Food Justice and Sustainability Committee. And uh, they have been doing their excellent work since 2009. You and I have sort of um, known each other since then. Uh, and um, it's uh, all part of your social justice uh, initiative, uh, growing stuff, uh, getting it to food pantries uh, and, and kitchens, uh, teaching right. teaching other congregations how to grow food, get rid of a 1,000 square feet of lawn and put in a 1,000 square feet of, of vegetable production, uh, and on and right. on and on. And over the years, I saw on your website that you have uh, collected more than 20,000 pounds yeah. of produce uh, since 2009. That's amazing. Yeah, it's it, it's it, it is, and in in a way, and it's you have Mike have been uh, such a strong supporter, and really have been with us the whole way. And we have we did last year exceed uh, growing and harvesting. <clears throat> we exceeded twenty thousand pounds cumulatively, and we have expanded. One of the you mentioned that we uh, uh, help other congregations do this work, but actually it has expanded now, and we. A lot of our effort is is geared toward the um, secular world as well, and so uh, you might recall a couple of summers ago we we hosted the ACGA National Convention here on growing food for those in need. Their yeah, that kickoff event. So folks know that's the American Community Gardening Association, right? And uh, this massive fruit and nut tree planting initiative we've started is is not just uh, for houses of worship. Uh, our farm school, farm and food forest school, is uh, is is now is is is, is a completely um, uh, secular uh, eight weeks, and so so really we've expanded well beyond our our initial efforts, and uh, feel very much responsible for helping uh, the, the not just our immediate community and the uh, uh, religious community, but the entire uh, community and the. And, and world beyond. Well, the reason I've got you here today, and unfortunately, we've got just a short time to do this. Uh, you, you'll have to be mm-hmm. back again soon. I'll tell you what, maybe later in the summer, as you uh, do your, uh, as you progress in in the growing season, uh, we, I can have you come down here and and we'll wax poetic on one thing or another. Uh, That'd be terrific. Uh, but yeah. uh, the reason I've got you here is because I want to help you promote. The uh, KAM Isaiah Israel Farm and Food Forest School uh, for 2016. Right. Can you explain what that is briefly? Sure. So, so uh, you know, we 
we have the we're in a, in a wonderful position to be able to to host annually every summer uh, uh, an educational program open to teens and adults, uh, and uh, where we uh, uh, share with them uh, by way of the expertise of wonderful instructors. Uh, uh, a hands-on opportunity to learn about the essences, the, the essentials of growing food in an urban setting, and also, as, as you know, we've 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 moved into more of the food forest uh, uh, efforts, and so they will spend eight weeks with us uh, on uh, every Sunday from nine to three, uh, starting in July 10th and going through August 28th. They'll spend every Sunday from nine to three. Uh, learning about uh, the basics of urban ag and food forest construction. And they will uh, actually, uh, over those eight weeks, construct a, a food forest, uh, as they did last summer as well. And where, where are they going to construct this food forest? Well, we are transforming the Star Garden here at KMII into, into a food forest. We are transitioning out of row cropping. We will continue to have row crops out on the 1080 on Hyde Park Boulevard, but we just installed a, a, a wall for pollinators, half a length of a football field here. And so we're moving more and more towards sustainable land use and food production, but really working on issues of sustainability by way of, of food production. And so it'll be here transforming uh, the star into a food forest. And folks, you should know the stars right outside of the temple there and and the congregation at KAM Isaiah Israel so I'm I'm pretty amazed that you're going to have this class you're going to teach folks how to put a food force together but it's also going to be the showcase um, for your congregation so when you join this class you're really going to be involved in a hands-on effort to transform the look outside of the temple there. And and the other thing I will mention, it's right across the street from Barack Obama's Chicago home. Yes. So you will get the yes. Secret Service to eyeball you every time you show <laughs> up. And and perhaps, and perhaps even ask you why you're there, because it does happen. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yes, and, and sometimes they'll share with you their experiences growing food, too. It's a wonderful group. Really? Do they? Oh, that's, yes. that's fascinating. Uh, yeah. And so if uh, folks want to get involved, um, here's what you do. You go to kamii.org slash farm school. That's how simple it is. Kamii.org slash farm school. Uh, and you'll see the schedule. There's uh, eight sessions. Um, right. And they, uh, you get uh, an intro to food and eco-justice, you get uh, farm and food force design, and then you get a – I love the idea that you've got whole uh, sessions on soil, on water, on plants, on trees, on pollinators and predators, and then from plant to plate. So you, you cover it all. It's, it, I think folks um, will really get something important out of this if they uh, happen to, to, get to be part of this class. Yeah, Mike, thank you very much for that. And I will tell you uh, uh, that um, it went, it, we posted the opening, uh, the opening post was this past week, and we're already halfway to, uh, to what we expect to be the class. So if people are interested, I encourage them uh, to, to sign up soon. Uh, we will probably not overbook like the airlines. We will, <laughs> we will, we will cut it off, but we are we, in the first week, we're halfway to full subscription. So, so, uh, just, uh, uh, 
and I, I want to say one other thing, Mike, uh, and, and that is that the, the classroom is outdoors, and we are, if not unique, unusual in that we have uh, a, 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 a wonderful demonstration of how row crops are growing, how a food forest uh, works, and a wall for pollinators and an ornamental food-producing garden all on the same site. And so the instructors will be able to have the classes outdoors. So if we're talking about water, they can they can see a drip irrigation system or they can see how a food forest is naturally hydrated. And uh, so uh, we have we are in this wonderful position now to have developed uh, a spectrum, a broad spectrum of different ways to grow food in an urban setting. And you've got a couple of great instructors, John Cahill, uh, Master Gardener and Garden Manager at Ginkgo Organic Gardens, and Bill Ladd-Cawthorn, Interim Director of Farmer Training at Angelic Organics Learning Center. So uh, folks are going to be learning a lot. Oh, yeah, they're, they're terrific, and we will have guest instructors as well, people who have worked with us and experts in the fields. And so it's going to be great, and it's again, it's free and open to anyone uh, from teens to adults. Uh, yeah, that's a really good point. It's free. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> Wait, free. folks, did you hear? Hello? It's free. Is Wait. it free? Uh, yeah. it, yes, Peggy, it's free. Wow. I know. So uh, Everything I- we do here, we try, we try, we're in a position that we can that we can share these, this knowledge and these opportunities, provide the, the, the opportunity and the occasion uh, at no cost, just like the MLK weekend. And that's, that's one of the things that gives us great joy is to be in a position to be able to do that. So there should be no barrier for anyone who is interested in coming. Well, uh, again, folks, if you want to uh, sign up for this class, and, and the slots are going fast, kamii.org slash farm school. You can also go to my website, mikenovak.net. I've got all the information there if you look at this week's show. Robert Neville, always a pleasure to talk to you. We'll do it uh, at uh, greater length in the future. Thanks very much, Mike. All right. Appreciate ha- it. Have a great Sunday. Thanks. You as well. Bye-bye. Bye. It's the Mike Novak Show on Chicago's uh, uh, Q4 radio, uh, and that is 1680 AM. And Peggy wants to tell you about something. Did you know that Genesis is the Midwest's largest source of airbrush supplies? Find out more at chicagoairbrushsupply.com or artsupply.com. Or stop into their showroom at 2525 North Elston and say that you heard about them on Q4 Radio and get an extra 10% off their already discounted prices all month long. Genesis, Chicago's only privately owned art supplier serving all of Chicago's artistic framing and drafting needs since 1946. And they're right here in this very building. And uh, I am calling right now, and, I, and I'm hoping that I'm going to be talking to Susan and Rich Air. Are you guys with me? Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Hi. How are you, lovely people? We're, well, we're quite well, actually. <laughs> and we're having a wonderful, it's beautiful out here in Woodstock. So. And I should tell you that uh, Rich and Susan Eric now, Susan, do you prefer Susan? Or do you? Pre- I know a lot of people call you Susie. Do, do you mind? What do you? What do you like? Well, I I like both of them. So to some people, I'm a Susan, and to a lot of people, I'm a Susie. I think Susie's a little bit more trouble. 
<laughs> oh, well, then I like Susie. Uh, okay. Uh, but uh, they are uh, with Rich's Fox Willow Pines out in Woodstock, Illinois, as uh, as Rich just mentioned. And uh, if you haven't been out there, you need to go. Well, certainly you need to go next Saturday on the 4th of June uh, for the Hosta sale, which happens at least once a year and usually a couple of times a year, right? Um, do you want, guy, who wants to explain what the Hosta sale is all about? Go ahead, Sus. Well, um, this started about 20 years ago, and Rich's mom, Margaret, who, who uh, passed away in January at 97 and a half, um, Rich bought some hostas for her that she liked, and she grew them, and then people wanted to start buying some of her hostas. So when people wanted to buy some of her hostas, Rich said, you'll have to talk to my mom. That's her part of the business. So um, <laughs> she saved up about $1,500, and she said, I think this would buy a cow and a bull for Heifer International. And the light bulb went on for hostas for heifers. And uh, so the very first sale, Rich's cousin Bobby Sandner and his daughter Nina uh, came out on a Sunday, and there were hundreds and hundreds of people that came. And we didn't even have our employees there uh, from the nursery. So uh, it was quite uh, an amazing project for Margaret in her 70s, 80s, and early 90s. By her sitting under the willow tree, dividing up pastas, uh, uh, at least a half a million was generated for uh, Heifer International. Wow. And, and what's so, interesting about this is that your operation is not about hostas, generally. No. It's, it's about uh, conifers and rare trees and dwarf trees and interesting specimens from all over the place. Rich, maybe you want to give me uh, 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 30 seconds on what Rich's Fox Willow Pines is all about. Well, we, um, I had a dream. I got to do my dream with a hot, lot of help from our friends, and that's the way it is with a hostage taper. That's the way I refer to it as, of trying to um, uh, make a difference and save people's lives. So uh, I had a dream in the Peace Corps. I read a book on the first authoritative text on dwarf and rare cone-bearing evergreen trees. Me and my buddy marauded the Midwest and tried to find specimens and and started collecting them. And then I got some mystical money from a man who left me in the state, and I got $50,000. And I bought uh, Peter Orem, a guy from Midwest Trading, uh, had a German plant propagator and uh, with a provenance of all the plants from the Morton Arboretum. And so I bought six, 7,000 specimen trees from him. And um, Susie and I started on this journey and, and um, with a lot of help from very substantial workers and, and uh, the loving gardening, pro- pro- um, you know, the loving gardening people in Chicago, there's, there's, you know, Plant people are nurturers, so we have this wonderful, loving support group. Yeah, well, no, we got to do. We got to create gardens down at Navy Pier at the flower show. Yeah, that, I was going to mention garden. that, Susan. That uh, you know, talk about giving back and forth. You guys are always there at at the flower show. So, folks who want to know about you, well, there are a lot of folks who I imagine who come to the flower show just to visit Rich and Susan Air. 
uh, and and talk about uh, the the plants that you guys grow out at Rich's Fox Willow Pines. Well, it's uh, uh, ours has always been uh, quite extraordinary, and uh, you know, loving people helped us along the way and weaseled us on national television, and then we lived in myth a little bit and. Uh, as I, uh, you know, I call myself a self-pronounced blowhard on this <laughs> subject area, and I learned from senior blowhards through my uh, vehicle of, uh, if you have an interest in any type of gardening in America, you join the society, and you learn the vocabulary by studying catalogs and websites now in the modern world, and then you go to the regional or national meetings and ask the senior people, and they're waiting there to help you, and it's the gardening world is a great thing, and uh, we're very proud of you and how you put, you know, been out there as our radio man and uh, <laughs> for the gardening public in Chicago. And and uh, we, uh, uh, my line about the gardening world is there's peace, harmony, and order in the natural world. Of course, we're the aberrant species, and we have to protect and guard the natural world and. Um, uh, I, the only time I got hugely negative ratings, I went this way and I'll do it again, is how do we change, how we judge by the future generations? Well, of course, we're going to be judged very poorly because we did such a terrible job of nurturing the Earth Mother. But um, with... Mike's working on that, Reggie. I'm doing what I can. their environmental posture <laughs> and, and change the world and make it better for all. And so God bless uh, you, Mike, in carrying the message out there. And well, I want to add one thing, Mike. We also have a Bolivian craft sale. Um, they, in Sorosora, Bolivia, Mano a Mano International, built uh, a school in Margaret's name. And so we're selling Bolivian crafts and still raising money for school supplies in her school in her name. It's being built uh, right now and uh, we'll be ready for the next school year. So that's very exciting. Yeah. And at 10 o'clock, uh, uh, there's going to be a little program honoring Margaret by the Heifer International uh, volunteers. And, uh, you know, what, what a woman. What can I say? She did a wonderful job in her philanthropic uh, efforts, and, and she was a, a real worker bee, so she got a lot done. Susie, will you pronounce Mike Kay's last name for me? Who? Mike Kay. He's speaking on Hasta. Oh, um, oh. From Elgin, Mike. Yes. Koloshevsky? Um, yes. Yes. He's coming at 1230 and He's talking a about Hasta fundamentals and, uh, uh, highlights. So. And then we'll have Tom Nicoletti there doing Hosta Leaf identification. And right. all these people have lovingly uh, supported us in, in these uh, events, as you have, Mike. And we thank you for your uh, thinking of us. And, and uh, uh, we want to also, of um, all the gardening projects I've seen in Chicago, I do want to mention uh, Angelic Organics as being a superlative program here in this country. And Mano a Mano for me is all run by Bolivian Indians. And when those Indians shared with me, Native people, when the Native people up there, Henti and Dijina, they, they would give me the best part of whatever they had. So my passion to help the people of Bolivia comes from extended kindness to me when they had nothing they would always give me the best, and then that's how 
I feel obligated in my relatively successful life to try and give back. And I married a wonderful woman who shares in my idealism, and we uh, we're so great. We're so grateful. Well, uh, and I was just going to say that uh, this is all happening next Saturday, June fourth, nine a.m. to four p.m at Rich's Fox Willow Pines. Uh, you're also, you know, in addition to, you mentioned Mano a Mano International Partners, but the more than 500 varieties of hostas, which is amazing too, uh, and the fact that uh, Margaret used to divide them herself, um, and, but they, they're for sale at $5 and up, so you can hardly go wrong with the price. Um, and that benefits Heifer International, so you're, you're uh, raising money for both Heifer and for Mano a Mano, Right. Right. We bifurcated recently in the last five years when we found these guys and won the highest award from returned Peace Corps volunteers. A gal I actually had worked with in the Peace Corps who married this into this Quechua Indian family. And these guys, Mano Mano runs at 93% of program and only 7% of overhead. Wow. The most judiciously frugal bunch of characters I've met and immediately the first time I ever gathered with them I caught their modus operandi and they build schools hospitals roads and reservoirs and then Heifer International does the food security so both organizations are really amazing and I want to mention one thing about Heifer International is whatever it's an organization that's been around over 70 years that gives farm animals to people around the world and whatever they receive they have to give to another person so the recipient becomes the donor and it just just think of passing on the gift uh, and empowering a whole community for not only food security but income producing Mm -hmm. so it really helps raise them out of poverty and uh, Pierre Ferrari was just in Chicago last week, and he is really, he not only wants to address the hunger issue, but also the poverty issue and get people out of poverty. And so it, it's very exciting. It is, and, and the work you guys are doing is really remarkable. I, I want to turn it once more before I let you go to uh, Margaret, because, um, you know, at, at 10 a.m., as we mentioned, there's going to, uh, next Saturday, there will be yeah. a, a tribute to Margaret. Uh, from uh, Heifer International, but you were telling me, you told me some stories the other day, and and one of the most remarkable is how uh, after the age of 70, uh, Margaret kind of reinvented herself uh, as as the hosta queen, and it gives uh, everybody a a chance to realize that you can do things as long as you want, as long as you're on this planet, Many retirees ramped down. Margaret yeah. was just getting started. She, and She's probably saved hundreds, if not thousands, of lives by her action. I mean, it's quite unbelievable, the power of just one solo person with, um, and then setting an example and getting a lot of help from your friends. Now, you can't ever, nothing is done alone. Everything in life is shared, and working together, we can all make a difference, and, and uh, we're... Uh, well, her volunteers would not let this project go, even though uh, Margaret couldn't do it anymore. So um, Mike Kraus and Ed Slomsky got the Changemaker Award from Heifer International, and uh, so they've been recognized for their work. And 
so come by hostas and yes. uh, bring Margaret's stories. And, right, uh, exactly. Everybody who knew Margaret has a story. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I loved Margaret. She was always so nice to me. Uh, and um, I, I even have a photo of, uh, of the two of us uh, on my website uh, this morning. Uh, so if you can go to MikeNovak.net, you'll see Margaret there. Uh, next Saturday from uh, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Rich's Fox Willow Pines Nursery, uh, 11618 McConnell Road in Woodstock. You can find the address. Well, you guys have a Facebook page, of course, but you, sure. can, you can find all the information. Website. Yeah, website. You can go to my, my website and find everything you need to know. Well, great, Mike. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Just and, the uh, yep. Good Talk luck. You. Have a bye. beautiful day. Okay, bye bye. It's kind of like. Um, like mom and dad, you know, did you do that when you were in college where you'd get on the phone and then mom and dad would be on the phone and and I I don't, did you, you're looking at me like I'm crazy, Peggy. No, I did not. No, you didn't, you didn't didn't have a situation where mom and dad were always on the phone and that's when you, you talk to them. Okay. What do I know about that? It's the Mike Novak show. We need to get to the second, uh, boy, I'm feeling... Hung out to dry here. Okay, the Mike Novak Show. Let's start the second hour. It's a little late, but we need to get going, and we will do that right after this. Captain's log, Stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, be more specific. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Of course. Attack of the Killer Asparagus is required reading at Starfleet Academy. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Gwynok of Ninglador. Captain, shields are failing. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. Captain, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. AroundTheBlockPress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener, taking all our self-delusions, mishaps, and confusions, and playing them for big laughs. That's not very helpful, Mr. Data. No, it is, however, highly accurate. Did you know Chicagoans are getting healthier all the time? Hi, I'm Peggy, and I know this is true because for six years I've been publishing Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest magazine. And if you want your message to reach this growing market, you do need to get your business in front of our readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us that our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and ready to take action. That's more than 80,000 people in Chicagoland who will respond to your message. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, integrative doctors and dentists, nutritionists, health coaches, yoga instructors, even home improvement and landscape experts. Natural Awakenings is a free monthly magazine available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. Call me today to expand your market and grow your business. 847-858-3697. That's 847-858-3697. Natural Awakenings. Feel good, live simply, laugh more. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show, still Chicago's only locally broadcast deep green gardening and environment program. 
broadcasting live every Sunday from the Genesis Art Supply Building on North Elston Avenue on Q4 Radio and at MikeNovak.net. Here he is again, Mike Novak. And we're a little late getting into the second hour. <laughs> That's okay. You know, it's uh, it was great to talk to Rich and Susie, and uh, I hope folks uh, head out their way. I hope folks uh, join uh, with KAM Isaiah Israel and uh, check out those classes on the south side. But right now, and I want to make sure I've got, uh, I believe I've got the right one there, um, I want to bring in Tom Nowak, who is the founder and principal for Quantum Financial Planning, LLC. How are you, Tom? Uh, very good, Mike. Thanks. It's great to have you here. I appreciate uh, you coming into the studio, the the radio pirate studio that we have here. And by the way, folks, uh, I've, we've gotten some tweets, and I need to call our, our other guest. Did you say the home number? Home number. We're, we're going with the home number? Okay, great. I, uh, there we are. Uh, by the way, I understand uh, that folks uh, have been uh, mentioning that uh, we are they're listening on the Facebook stream. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, wait. Yeah, you can go over to Q4 Radio's Facebook page, and they've got this really cool app. Just click on it and live stream right there on Facebook. Uh, and I hope that brings in a few more folks. Uh, and I am uh, just dialing here our uh, our next. Guess who's going to join Tom uh, on the line here? Let's let's hope we can get uh, Ian. Boom, boom, boom. There we are. Ian, are you there? I am here. Okay, great, great to have you. And that uh, that's Ian Monroe, who's the co-founder of Etho Capital Fund, uh, which uh, describes itself as the world's first diversified, socially responsible, and fossil-free exchange-traded fund (ETF). All right, let's start right there because I'm going to be really honest with both of you guys. Um, I'm I'm not a wizard when it comes to finances. Okay, so uh, Ian, explain uh, ETF. I mean, I, I did explain what it is, but I don't really know what that means. What I just read. Okay, tell me what an ETF is. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, really great to be on the show. So appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. ETFs are increasingly becoming a a really popular way to invest because they tend to be cheaper than traditional mutual funds. Like a mutual fund, an ETF is a collection of a a bunch of different stocks. And in our case, those stocks are selected to be the most sustainable and climate-efficient companies. And so the ETHO ETF has a little bit less than 400 companies that are broadly diversified across many industries that are climate leaders, efficiency, and sustainability leaders. Okay, so the idea is that you're trying to make it easier for folks. Well, I, you know, I understand the, the concept of, of being socially responsible. That's a great thing. The problem I have is I always assume, and Tom, I'll direct this at, to you, um, I always assume that you go to a broker and they'll get you what they can get you and that somehow there's going to be sticky little fingers somewhere uh, in, in oil or coal or something in, in those funds. Uh, 
can, in this day and age, can you divorce yourself from those completely? Exactly. You can uh, divorce yourself from a lot of things. It's, it's just a matter of what's the most convenient tool to, you know, to do that. And uh, an ETF is, is uh, one of the more cost-effective ways you know, to do that versus uh, some of the traditional mutual funds. But uh, just to let you know, about uh, almost one in five, one in six dollars are screened today uh, in, in, in the United States. So sustainable investing, socially responsible investing is, is growing and more and more people are finding ways to, to make their investments match their worldview. Uh, and, and briefly, Tom, why don't, is, is that specifically what your company does? Well, explain, explain a little bit about quantum financial planning. Is, uh, I'm a one-person uh, registered investment advisor. I use an hourly fee-only model. So I help clients that want to invest uh, sustainably or conventionally. Uh, uh, 40% of folks use uh, index funds, very low cost. But what I like is to explore the area of low-cost sustainable investing, things like ETFs, things like uh, portfolios, uh, customized portfolios that I put together. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so um, yeah, I, I like the development of what's going on with Ethos. Uh, and, uh, Ian, so explain why you th- went in this direction with uh, Etho Capital Fund. Yeah, well, for me, really – my prime purpose in life is trying to do everything I can to scale up solutions to climate change. And my background is international development, renewable energy, and supply chain sustainability work all around the world. And I grew up on a small farm, which is actually where I am right now in Mendocino County, California. And I've seen the changes here. I've seen drought and wildfire really devastate the area and all the projections with the climate models out there that things will just get much worse. And I think the more I worked on project-level energy and climate solutions, the more I realized that one of the biggest systemic challenges is getting these massive pools of money out of the climate problems, namely fossil fuels and unsustainable agriculture, and into climate solutions. And so I started working on Etho Capital with my co-founder, Connor Platt, uh, about two and a half years ago now, where we we started looking into this core thesis that if we can find better sustainability data to figure out which companies are the least polluting, the most efficient companies, we we thought that those companies should be better investments because they're more efficient, and we think efficiency and having a better climate efficiency rating is probably a good indication for overall operational efficiency and how well-run companies are. Uh, can I can I stop you right there, Ian? Can I stop yeah. you right there? Because um, I think it's not that long ago that the conventional wisdom was, well, you don't want the green companies because they don't make any money. Your return is not going to be really what you want, but you're telling me that the return is going to be better. How do you reconcile that? Yeah, well, that's, that's exactly what we've seen in our live performance now. We're, we're beating the S&P 500 with the ETHO Climate Leadership Index and the ETHO ETF in the last quarter, uh, quarter one of 2016. We had a return that was more than double the S&P 500. And we've been beating essentially every other major market benchmark since we launched. We're continuing to beat those markets. 
Can you can you explain a little bit about what what the Etho Climate Leadership Index is? It's E C L I, is the acronym. Yeah. So the Etho Climate Leadership Index is an index that's created to find the most climate efficient and sustainable companies in each industry. And so we look at this really deep dive into the sustainability of companies based not just on what companies are saying they're doing in their corporate social responsibility reports, if they're doing those, but actually what they're really doing by looking at how companies are spending their money with their required financial reporting and adding something that's called life cycle assessment input-output analysis to determine a company's environmental footprint and other social impacts based on how a company is actually spending its money and its required financial reporting. And then we also are opening up the process to a network of sustainability experts in the nonprofit world and in academia. My other hat is I teach courses on climate change and sustainability at Stanford University. So this full life cycle environmental accounting is something I've been doing for many years there and teaching courses on. And so that that goes into the ETHO Climate Leadership Index, which is the basis for the ETHO ETF that trades on the New York Stock Exchange. And essentially what you're investing in when you invest in the ETF or other products that we're working on coming out of the index is this diversified group of companies that are the most sustainable and climate efficient companies. In the case of the ETF, they're all companies that are in the U.S., and we're now working with international partners to do international versions of the Climate Leadership Index and create other products like ETFs based on those international indices. So really, the, the simplified view is you're, you're investing in a, a bunch of companies that are the most efficient and sustainable. And we've seen that those companies tend to just make better investments. They, on average, have higher better financial performance, at least that we've seen in the past, than conventional investment portfolios. But you're, you're definitely right. The conventional wisdom has been that if you're doing sustainable investing, it means you're making less money. But there's a whole lot of data now coming out, not just with what we're seeing with Ego Capital, but from universities like Oxford and Harvard and Stanford that are doing research as well as industry groups like Morningstar that have actually been showing pretty consistently that if you invest in sustainability in a smart way, you're just taking a richer, deeper look into the efficiency of companies and actually investing for better financial returns at the same time. So you really can have your sustainability cake and eat it too, at least based on the analysis that we've seen. And in the case of Evo Capital, we've done this analysis back 10 years Hmm. But that is, is is really a challenge to get beyond the conventional wisdom that still a lot of money managers have, particularly for these really large institutional investors, uh, that conventional wisdom that sustainability means you're, you're making less money. You know, that's, that's interesting, Ian. And by the way, that's uh, Ian Monroe uh, from Etho Capital Fund. And if you want more information about them, you can go to ethocapital.com. That's E. T-H-O capital.com. Tom Nowak is in the studio. He's uh, with Quantum Financial Planning, and that's quantumfinancialplanning.com. Very easy there. Um, but conventional wisdom is such a, 
a dangerous thing, isn't it, Tom? Tom was here earlier, uh, Ian, as I was talking about conventional wisdom about lawn care, which is you have to use these chemicals and you have to you have to throw down synthetic fertilizers in the spring, or your lawn won't green up. And as our lawn care expert here said, no, lawns actually green up on their own in the spring. That's you know, but the conventional wisdom is you got to do this. Um, so it's good to see we're breaking free from that. But, all right, I'm going to throw a curveball at both of you. And, Tom, I want you to start with this. And my question would be, because I have had people on this show, um, and I have friends, smart friends. My brother, for instance, is what they call a prepper. Have you heard of that term? Uh, Ian, have you heard of that term, prepper? A, a prepper? Does that, does that mean he's really making sure he's ready for any future scenario, which could be... Yes, very good. Wait, you you get a beard ding out of that. All right. I, I grew up with a lot of these uh, folks. Many of whom are good friends of mine, actually, here in Mendocino County. Right, and 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 my with them. yeah, and I have friends like that. And like I said, my brother, he's got gold. Uh, he's got a bank accounts in offshore and in the United States and other places um, because he 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 tells me bluntly says it's all going to collapse. Okay. So why would I be investing, even in funds like yours, which you claim are socially responsible, if it's all going to go to heck in a handbasket, Tom? Okay. Um, Well, uh, if you're a prepper, I think you want to invest in uh, some butter, some guns and bullets, things like that. (laughs) There's not really much else to invest in. Bottled water. Bottled water. But a a lot of us you know, want to step back, but still want to be a prepper in the sense of, uh, what about uh, fossil fuel companies, uh, the fossil fuel age actually ending? Uh, you know, that's a, a necessity, if not an inevitability. So because of that, um, what we've seen what happened in coal stocks. Coal stocks are down over 90% in the last year or so. So a prepper would want to make sure that they divest their portfolios from coal before it goes to the bitter end. Same thing with fossil fuels and other things that form one's own view. And a, a prepper could be defined very broadly what, what your worldview is. So if you want to align your portfolio with your worldview and your worldview is correct, you have a tailwind from the investing standpoint. So you're going to, your worldview is going to, to be fine. If your worldview is incorrect, well, at least you've vote, you, know, you voted your values with your dollars. And if you do it carefully in a diversified way, in a low-cost way, you can have your cake and eat it too because, like Ian said, more and more research is showing that sustainable investing does not mean that you're giving up anything. Ian, do you want to jump in on that? Yeah, I, I think that's a, a pretty great summary. I'd say if, if you're a prepper, <laughs> you, you should be prepared both for – the catastrophic scenarios that, that could be ahead. And uh, as somebody who's essentially also a climate scientist and teaching what is ahead with our current trajectory with climate change, I, I will admit it is really scary. But All right, all right, all right. Now, now hold, hold on a second there, Ian. All right, you suddenly said you're a climate scientist as well. Okay, that's... Um that's you, you sort of hit me from uh, from out in left field there. Um, so this in, informs the things you do with uh, your your funds, and um, uh, so I assume that you don't see it all collapsing in ten years. I I don't I don't I do I think 
You know, climate change, I think, is much more like the, the frog and the pot of water heating up where it certainly could get to the point that it's boiling and uh, we're all really, really in trouble. But I think it's much more likely that it's just going to continue to get worse for many people, particularly those that are already at the poverty level and, and really subject to natural cycles and uh, what is happening with heat and rainfall and how that connects up to our food production systems, et cetera. So I, I really see climate as much more of a spectrum rather than a, the apocalypse is coming or it's not. Um, and I think it's our duty to really do everything we can to minimize the amount of damage to our climate system and all these life support systems on the planet. And the, the climate science comment comes out of my, my academic hat, Beyond Etho Capital, which is teaching courses on climate solution scale-up at Stanford University. So I'm constantly looking at all the technologies and policies that are out there, the trade-offs that go with scaling those up, and talking about that with my students. And I think, getting back to the prepper question, those scenarios can be really scary. There are a lot of great solutions that are coming to the fore that I think we can scale up, but the, one of the major challenges is making sure the money is flowing out of the problems into the solutions. And I think as a prepper, you definitely want to be prepared for the probability that our systems won't entirely collapse, and you want to have your investments in places that are aligned with your values and also aligned with the goal of, of protecting your investment capital and allowing you to have the, the life that you want to lead in the future, assuming that everything doesn't collapse and you don't have to go, go to your mucker, <laughs> which I think is a pretty low probability still. Really? Okay. Uh, because, and I really know, do feel, you know, there, I, think, I think civilization is getting it. You know, the Paris Climate Agreement shows that things are moving in the right direction, even though there is still a very long way to go. But there are folks listening to this right now who would say, the reason you guys feel that way is you're making money off of this. So there's no point in you speaking the truth because then you stop making money. And, Tom, you're nodding. Right. Well, what I would say is uh, making that much more than you, Mike, <laughs> is is uh, because not all investment professionals are in it for the money. A lot of them uh, are, are, for, you know, are in it for the service. Um, uh, let me. Um, the, 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 that, I, I could be really cynical about that, but right, uh, but right. I won't. I'm going right. to let that one okay. go. Okay, and you continue. Okay, but uh, but let me tell you a couple of things. One is I was a scientist in my first career. To throw another curveball at you. Oh my goodness! So, what's going on here? <laughs> Sci- a couple of scientists turned financial that. guys. All right. I, I measured carbon dioxide in the '70s at levels that were much lower, and I and I've seen it go up half a percent per year. You know, when looking at the charts, so I intuitively know that we're on an unsustainable path. You know, think of if we were in our 20s and our weight went up half a percent per year mm-hmm. for 30 years. Yikes. We, we would start having heart trouble yeah. and, and cholesterol, things like that. We would have to change our diet or something like that. So it, it's it's an unsustainable path. So sustainable investing is a good thing. Um, but what, what, uh, I remember what my wife often says is, why can't people that are healing the planet make money certainly people that are destroying the planet are making money so i think one should be able to make a living uh like yourself healing the planet 
That's a really good point. All right. Well, then let's say I want to make money. And you talked about um, – and I'll direct this at Tom first and Ian, then I'll get to you um, – about hourly services. Um, maybe I'm not interested in hourly services. What, what I'm interested in is what can I afford – to put into a fund. I, I'm a guy that doesn't have a lot of money, let's say. Let's say I'm a guy that doesn't have a lot of money. Um, you know, can somebody of very, very modest means get involved? One of the things that I find uh, disturbing is, you know, when I hear stock reports on the radio, I go, why are you telling me what the Dow average is because most people are not invested in it anyway. It's, it's a bunch of rich people um, in a very small percentage of the population can the folks who are on the wrong end of that stick involve get involved with you tom and do you have uh, a chance for them to make a little money doing this ethically uh yes um i've written a couple books uh on uh, on low fee sustainable investing so the whole point is is I'm a big advocate of, of low fees because a lot of folks are fee sensitive or need to be fee sensitive. They can't afford to have a, a hedge fund with a 2% uh, fee and a 20% uh, fee on top of that. So they need to be very economical. A lot of folks have uh, 401ks, IRAs, things like that. Uh, uh, the Department of Labor recently modified some rules to allow 401ks to start using sustainable funds. So one thing a lot of... Wait, wait, you couldn't do that before? Well, you could, but it was very difficult to convince uh, the uh, folks running the, running the program to do that because of a Department of Labor rule that tainted that area. Wow, the conventional wisdom that we talked about exactly, before. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. All right. All right. Yes. So but, there was there was some uh, there were there were some rulings that uh, that kept folks from shying away from offering sustainable funds. Yeah. But the U.S. Uh, uh, Social Investment Forum and other organizations are working to change that, and and that has been changed recently. So uh, so uh, whether it's a, a government a, a, a TSP fund or whether it's a large uh, corporation, you can go to your HR folks and say, I want a sustainable option. I want a fossil-free option in, in, my, in my portfolio. So you can do that in your 401K. You can do that in your 403B, hopefully, someday. Uh, some 403Bs do have sustainable funds in them already. Uh, TIA-CREF-type funds you know, has a social fund. So there are ways to do that, and, and even modest funds in IRAs. Uh, it doesn't take... It doesn't. It doesn't take a lot to vote your values. You don't have to lose money. So, anybody who walks in the door to you and says, "I, I have very little, but what I do have, I'd like to invest, and let's see if we can make this work." You, you can accommodate them. Yes. Okay. Uh, can, can I ask another? Yeah. Side go of ahead, that? Peggy. For some of the people who are invested, and they're some people who are invested, and they're working with a fund manager, can they go to you and buy the fund if their fund managers go like, "Bah." Okay. Well, a person that's working with a, with an investment advisor could you know could say, "Hey, I've I've heard about say this ETF mm-hmm. on a radio show that that's uh, talking about climate change solutions." They could mention that ticker symbol and ask their advisor if if they could have some of that. The advisor will 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 talk through that. If the advisor is saying, "Oh no, I don't know anything about that. I don't I don't want to help you in that regard because I'm not skilled there." Well, maybe you should find another advisor. Kind of mm-hmm. like the, kind of like the lawn care uh, conversation <laughs> you <laughs> right, had. Right, right, right. You know, but you know, but you if have somebody choices. doesn't do that, can they go to you for that fund separate from their advisor? 
uh, there are hourly advisors like mm -hmm. me throughout the country, that, uh, some of which uh, uh, do work in the sustainable investing area. So, yes, there are, there are some of us out there. Okay. Let's go to Ian. Uh, you know, okay, same question to you. I, I don't have a lot of cash, and maybe most of it's in my wallet right now. Um, and I walk in. Uh, how do you help me? Yeah, well, that's the great thing about the ETF, the ticker ETHO, E-T-H-O, is traded on the New York Stock Exchange every day. And if you're a do-it-yourself investor, you can just go on to a platform like Ameritrade and put in the ticker and make a purchase of the ETF if, if you want. And the share price the, is the minimum investment, which is somewhere between 25 to $26 a share right now. So that's the, the only requirement is that you invest at least the share price at 25 to $26. Mm -hmm. And it's as easy as that. If you're working with an investment advisor, you go through your investment advisor and ask them the same thing. And that is in contrast to a, a lot of the other funds that are out there that are marketed as sustainable often are mutual funds with higher fees, and sometimes they have minimum investments of uh, $1,000 or $2,000, so they're a little bit less accessible. Mm -hmm. And then, as you mentioned, there's also these all sorts of boutique hedge funds and whatnot for much richer people. But the interesting thing is those those boutique investment funds that you need, say, a million dollars or more to invest in, there's actually been a lot of research showing that they tend to underperform the index funds that are out there. There was a famous bet that Warren Buffett made with a hedge fund manager about who could make more money over 10 years, and Warren Buffett invested just in a broad-based index fund, and this hedge fund investor invested in all these boutique hedge funds. And thus far, Warren Buffett is winning that bet with a much more cost-effective investment in index funds. But, of course, his, his investment was essentially just investing in the full market, which meant he was investing in fossil fuels and tobacco and a lot of other things most of us wouldn't consider sustainable. The good news is you can take that diversified index approach, and now with products like the ETHO ETF, invest broadly diversified but also sustainable at the same time in a way that's really cost-effective. And something that we're also doing is actually giving the public a voice in our sustainability process by being fully transparent about all the holdings in the ETHO ETF and first asking sustainability experts in the academic world and the nonprofit world to give us feedback on if any of the companies that are in the index and the ETF uh, should be taken out because of sustainability concerns. But we've also now been moving towards opening that process up to the public and letting anybody say, hey, I think this, this company has some serious concerns, whether they be environmental concerns or labor concerns, and they really shouldn't be in your product. And that feedback coming into our process has continuously been helping us make our, our investment funds and our indexes more sustainable. And it really runs totally counter to what Wall Street is totally, has traditionally done, which is be a black box where they just say, hey, you know, trust us, we'll make you money. Don't really look what's inside what you're investing in because eh, you really don't want to know, and we're the experts. <laughs> well, Our approach that... is, is the opposite. We, we think everybody deserves a voice in the creation of the products they're investing in. Yeah. So we're really trying to incorporate that into what we do with the ETF. 
Yeah, I, and that's kind of where we started with the idea that, yeah, the black box where, hey, you know, don't uh, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Um, now, obviously, and we're, we're just about out of time here. Um, Ian, you're going to uh, advise people to take uh, take a look at Etho Capital Fund. Uh, but, Tom, you would probably go a little broader, I, I would say, and look at other things as well, right? Yeah, uh, I think uh, the, uh, the Etho Fund. I'm, I'm looking forward to tracking, you know, tracking the progress of that fund. There's a lot of new innovation going out there, but there are, you know, are choices out there to choose from. Uh, one should make sure that the fund that they invest in matches their goals, and their time horizon, their risk tolerance. You know, so those things all have to be looked at. But there are plenty of choices out there, and and the the field. Uh, you know, innovates. Uh, ethos is, 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 is by having that feedback mechanism. You know, that to me is just another innovation. And I think uh, what I would, would want, want your audience to know is uh, if, you, if you ask, they will build it. Is don't be shy to you know to press you know your your financial institutions to to build the products that you need because uh, otherwise it'll be the black box. Mm. Uh, the, yeah. the, go ahead, Ian, and I'll let you have the final word oh, here. Oh, just just to add on to that really quickly, I think it really is important for all of us to ask for the better options, and they're starting to be out there. And obviously, I'm biased that. I think what we're doing with Etho Capital is, is a big piece of the solution, but there are certainly other great options that are out there, but you really do need to ask and you need to look, uh, because most of us are invested in fossil fuels, whether we actually know it or not. If you are connected to a public pension fund, that public pension fund is definitely investing in fossil fuel companies and tobacco and many other things you would consider unsustainable unless it explicitly has gotten feedback from all its pensioners to not do that. And if you're going to a university, that university is probably also invested in fossil fuels and many other things you're not happy with unless well, that's one of the, uh, and the students have pushed for it to change. And most of us that are invested in any sort of diversified portfolio currently have fossil fuel holdings unless we explicitly mm-hmm. make sure we're investing in the things without those. So just, it's, it's important to look and it's important to ask for the better solutions that are out there. I was just going to say that, uh, you know, that's one of the movements now is trying to get municipalities to divest from fossil fuels and universities, and um, that's a good movement as far as as I'm concerned. Uh, Ian Monroe, thank you so much. He's from Etho Capital, and uh, you can find the link on MikeNovak.net. Go to this week's show, but if you want to go straight there, it's EthoCapital.com. Ian, it was uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for, uh, for being on the phone with us today. Yeah, thanks so much, Mike. Really a pleasure to join. All right. Take care now. Uh, And uh, Tom, Tom Nowak, N-O-W-A-K, I pronounce it Novak. Tom says Nowak. Tomatoes, tomatoes. Exactly. You know, I just go with what my folks did. And uh, they they were kind of like old school Polish. And they, it was Novak. All right. All right. I can can live with that. Uh, Thank you so much for coming down to the studio. And uh, and uh, I, I have a feeling we're going to talk. Uh, so hang on for a second. Anyway, I'm gl- I'm glad you're here in the studio. Now, sometimes all it takes to perform miracles in your garden um, are a pile of just pulled weeds sprinkled with a little bit of slightly composted chicken manure covered with a layer of straw. That's what my friends Vicky and Ron Nowicki did to produce rich, fertile compost 
in about 10 days. That might seem a bit like magic, but that's what they have been doing in their Downers Grove backyard thanks to a few chickens they have on site. And you can read all about this composting miracle in the May-June issue of Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. Then, of course, there's my column on the inside back page of every issue. The miracle about those 700 words is that after 13 years, they still ask me to fill the back page. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com. But if you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. Want to make a positive move in the housing market? Replace your siding and windows. You'll improve your home's look and energy efficiency, too. Trust DR Services Unlimited, 847-998-1687 for your remodeling and energy needs. Siding, windows, solar and wind power, and more. Rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau and recommended on Angie's List. DR is a proud member of NARI. DR provides exceptional quality at a fair price. Contact DR at 847-998-1687 or at RestoreTheNorthShore.com. It's not just your garden. It's the way you live. And there's so much to know. But you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties. Track and record your garden with photos and notes. Share on Facebook and Twitter and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get Homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow with Bonnie. Hey, this is Peggy. When I speak at local events, people often ask me, aren't you the Peggy in the Natural Awakenings ads? And that makes me happy because it reminds me that Chicagoans want to live healthier lives A Natural Awakenings magazine helps them do just that. Natural Awakenings, it's the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. Each month, we bring you the latest information about health and wellness, complementary medicine, fitness and exercise, raising healthy kids, and even healthy pets. You'll find articles about healthy homes, too, including gardening, energy efficiency, and green living. And if you love good food, you'll always find tasty recipes and cooking hints. Check out our monthly calendar. It's full of events to help keep you connected. Natural Awakenings is available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Chicago and suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. And it's free. Or visit us online at nachicagonorth.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. You didn't know I could play guitar like that, did you? That was great. Uh, Yeah, it ain't me. Uh, But it is the Mike Novak Show on Q4 Radio. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Sunday morning. And I want to thank Rick DeMaio for the beautiful weather today. Rick, how are you? I, I'm I'm fine, Mike. Um, I didn't know I had the power to produce uh, the atmosphere uh, with such grandeur, but I'll I'll take the compliment. <laughs> uh, but you know what? See, see, that's good that you're you don't know you have that power because I'm not sure you would. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would use it more often. <laughs> you see, because with great power comes great responsibility, and you know, and you know that's from uh, Spider Man, of course. But uh, there you go. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Am I am I also responsible for the wonderful smell of lilac in the air? Yeah, 
I guess that's you too. You know, we've had it in, in our house. I have a lilac uh, uh, shrub out front, and then I have one in the back as well. And coming and going, it's it's just been remarkable. Now the one in front is about done. Actually, they're both about done now. It depends where they are. Uh, you know, if it's a little cooler, they'll they're still blooming. If it's been a little warmer, they've pro- they're probably past their prime. So I would imagine people with lilacs out in the you know, the western burbs where it's a little warmer, farther away from the lake, mm-hmm. probably are past their prime and near, near the, the lake. They might still be blooming. Yeah, it, it seems to last for about a week. And uh, if, if you have one, you always have to be on guard looking at your window to see whether or not someone walks by and does that old stop and snip. The next thing you know, you have four left little flowers on your bush. <laughs> and they got it and they got it stuffed in between their their. Their, uh, their their overcoat and their chest. Have you have you had people steal your? your- oh my God! I Mike, I remember when I had um, you know tons of uh, Parkway as we call it tulips when I lived in Ravenswood. Every once in a while, this strange, crazy lady would come by and snip them off. Wow! And yeah, and I remember I I kind of I caught her once, and she goes, "But it's city property." I go, "Those are my tulips." <laughs> and it's like, why, why, why oh, would you do that? You mean the, yeah, she oh, went, no, no, she yeah. actually, she clipped probably about eh, half a dozen. A tulips? Yeah. Oh, I thought, I thought you were talking about lilacs, but tulips. Yeah, no, that's them's, them's fighting words. That's, you know, you do yeah. that. I, I'm, I'm yeah. coming, I'm coming for, for you. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah that's just yeah. rude. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, lilacs, tulips, you know, uh, they all have that, that, that wonderful short life to them. And, and now we're getting into, uh, I, I guess you would say more the perennials, right? Is that right? All the, all the nice little variegated greens and bushes and shrubs and the and the flowering trees. It's 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 been a nice turnaround from what turned out to be or what has been so far uh, a really up and down, you know, what we'll call a climatological spring. Because as we always like to remind our um, our weather weenies out there, climatological spring begins March first. <laughs> um, goes through April and also the end of May. Uh, and then June 1st is what we call the beginning of climatological summer. And, and I think, you know, the last, what, six, six days in a row, we've had temperatures in the 80s. Um, and we've made a turnaround from what was a month, which was about three and a half to four degrees below normal. We're actually almost right at normal with about five inches of rain. And people say, is that a lot of rain for the, for the month of May? And I say, it's about an inch and a half above normal, but if you look back at almost the last four consecutive Mays, uh, we've been anywhere between, you know, four and five inches of rain. So it's, uh, it, it, we've had some very, very wet springs, also some highly variable springs, and, you know, this is, this is what makes our, our June so nice and green around here. And uh, as soon as you start to get one of those hot, dry Junes, and I think the last one we had was back in uh, 2012, it begins to, you know, you begin to worry about how the summer is going to go. But right now, the month of May finishing up warm and wet looks like it's going to be a, a fairly nice, normal start to June, and hopefully that'll lead to a nice, normal summer. Uh, and, and I've been doing um, some looking around on the plant healthcare sites. There's the one that Morton Arboretum puts out, and they have uh, growing degree days. And one of the things I've noticed is that we're basically kind of near normal in fact uh above in some you know and, and and i think the perception that folks have is that the spring was very cool but as you said it was actually kind of up and down yeah you know i'm you can always look at the difference between the beginning and the end 
Um, you know, and, and, you know, the beginning and the end will give you 0.4 degrees, you know, um, below normal, but, you know, we're, we're, we're ending up in a, in a very warm pattern. Um, and I think Mike, you've seen it as a master garden more than ever. It's those warm overnight lows and those high levels of humidity, uh, that really allows things to grow like crazy. Um, and, and that's pretty much where we've been. I think I've seen temperatures really not get below the 60 degree mark now. Uh, for almost four consecutive days, uh, that, that's pretty good stuff. So yeah, your growing degree days are, are increasing, and, uh, and not only that, but I like to call it the growing, the growing degree hours. If you really want to get into the, you know, drill down into the weeds, this has been just nothing but, but great stuff for anybody who's planted anything in the ground in the last, in the last month or so. Um, one of the, as I was telling you, I, and I'm looking at the Morton Arboretum Plant Healthcare Report right now, it said, uh, as of May 19th, uh, we, we were at, and this is their measurement, obviously, out at mm-hmm. Morton Arboretum because it's different right. degree days in different areas. It says they were at 209 base 50 growing degree days. The historical average, 1937 to 2013 for this date, is 203. So it's only six degrees different there 209 base uh versus 203 so they were actually a little above the historical average uh at yeah, that. And, yeah and, and and i think that's obviously due to a changing climate you know we have actually have seen um you know maybe the springs aren't as you know nice as we've liked uh but i think we've seen that more so in september and october uh, where, where the falls have generally been a little bit above average. And I think that also is attributed uh, to the warmer oceans. When you start to have warmer oceans, you begin to have, you know, later tropical storm seasons. Uh, you know, even though we have tropical storm Bonnie off the coast of South Carolina, those are little, you know, those are little miniature storms that don't really do much. They have, you know, they'll put a reporter from the Weather Channel, channel down there showing you that it's, you know, you have 30-mile-an-hour winds and five- to six-foot waves, and I think they need to do that. I'm not criticizing them, but they need to do that because it's obviously a holiday weekend, and you'll get people visit certain, you know, certain beaches that they don't normally visit. The next thing you know, everybody's going out and swimming in the high waves, and someone gets pulled offshore, and that's not good. So you have to report stuff like that. But I think one thing I've noticed is that the warmer oceans um, have clearly led to a longer tropical and hurricane storm season, or I should say tropical storm and hurricane season. And that generally tends to produce, you know, warmer, warmer Septembers and also uh, warmer temperatures in the month of October. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why the growing days have actually increased a little bit. That's, uh, that's uh, fascinating. Uh, and uh, you were talking about the, uh, the hurricane season. Um, I heard just the other day, that this is only it's a second name storm before june 1st which is pretty unusual yeah yeah and, and you know the, the first one was actually just a depression this one uh you know a bonafide storm and yeah i mean and, you, and you're going to get those every once in a while i think that's still uh you know the remnants of the really powerful el nino we had you know phenomenally warm temperatures not only in the gulf of mexico but in the gulf stream so this is actually a result of, of what has happened, you know, over the last three or four months. And then you typically go into a little bit of a, you know, a downward trend. Studies have shown the last week of May, uh, the first couple of weekends of June, you can sometimes get these 
what we call synoptic pattern, you know, the, the type of storm systems that drive themselves through the Midwest uh, and through the upper sections of the Gulf of Mexico, all you need is some form of circulation that develops off of your normal springtime upper air patterns, and then you begin to get somewhat of a tropically induced low, and next thing you know, you have a tropical storm. So this isn't the type of stuff that actually forms in the, in, the, in the equatorial regions and then moves northward, it just kind of develops off of a weak front. So it's not uncommon to have storms like this develop this early in the year, particularly when the warm ocean waters will obviously be the main driver of that. Um, so early storms in, in late May and early June really don't have much of an indication of what you're going to have this summer. Uh, or I should say for the tropical storm hurricane season, which typically begins June 1st, but we all know it really doesn't get going to like late August. But um, some of the reports out from the Hurricane Center and from the Climate Prediction Center uh, just indicates near normal activity. And there's, there's a couple of reasons why um, the Gulf of Mexico and the Atlantic Ocean still above average. But we still have a fairly wavy pattern um, like developing across the upper levels of the atmosphere. Um, and, and, and when you have a wavy pattern like that, um, there's a lot of mid-level shear in the atmosphere. And we, we've kind of noticed that from, from the storms that we've had just this past week. We've had wave after wave of cloud cover come through. Uh, there's another one coming through this morning with, you know, some building cumulus clouds. This will pull off to the east. Uh, and then we'll get into some really nice weather later on today. And tomorrow looks great. I mean, no rain absolutely, you know, anywhere in the Midwest. Uh, for Memorial Day, and then we'll get right back into a wavy pattern with some rain probably for Tuesday and Wednesday, and next week actually begins to get a little bit cool. So when you have these upper-level winds that are very, very strong in the middle levels, it tends to keep the atmosphere energized, and hurricanes and tropical storms don't like that. They like a lazy atmosphere. <laughs> so we'll see if that goes for the first couple of months of the year. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, the pattern, whatever it does, it does not bode well for any long periods of hot, dry weather. Um, which I know is fine with you and fine with most people. We would like to have, you know, a couple of weeks of 70s and 80s and push any 90-degree weather off for a long time. Yeah, you know, if it were uh, 70 uh, degrees, if it, were, if it were 65 all summer long, I would be the happiest guy on the planet. That would, <laughs> that, <laughs> I, you, you, you could always move to Thunder Bay, Ontario. No one's stopping you. <laughs> you know, yeah, except that the rest of the year when, you know, into into April when it's minus, yeah. minus 12. Uh, there you go. But I was looking at the, the NOAA map you sent me, and, and it does seem – that um, the eastern part of the country is going to be a little bit cooler in the next six to ten days. Yeah, and, and the amazing thing about it is they had, you know, people here in Chicago were complaining about our, you know, awful spring. Uh, they had an absolutely lousy spring right up until about, I would say, about a week or so ago. They, they pretty much had, you know, average highs about 10 to 15 degrees below normal. And then all of a sudden, what happened last week, they had three days in a row of 90-degree temperatures in the New York area, including dew point readings in the mid to upper 60s. So they went from temperatures in the 60s to literally heat index values. Wow. Um, and the low to the 90s. And, and you know how that goes. You get cranky real fast if all of a sudden you're looking for the air conditioner unit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it, they, just went from, they just went from a lousy spring to a, a very hot period of time. And, a, and, and literally, it seemed like overnight. Uh, but, yeah, the cool weather definitely is um, – it, it comes back a little bit, but there's really no indication of any long-term heat anytime soon. 
Good for us. Uh, not so good for New York. How, how was the graduation, by the way? The graduation was beautiful. Uh, the weather was fantastic. Um, uh, up in Milwaukee, there was, um, you know, a clear indication that that obviously trees are about two weeks behind what they are here in Chicago. Um, but I don't know if anybody has ever seen uh, the, the, the area north and northeast of the city of Milwaukee. It's right along the shoreline. It's called Lake Park. It was actually developed and designed by the same person who did Central Park, which is uh, Frederick Law Olmsted. Um, and, you know, we marvel at our buildings and we marvel at our lakefront here in Chicago. But if you get a chance and you drive north of the beautiful Milwaukee Art Museum uh, up into, I think it's Whitefish Point or right around the Sherwood area, Mike, it, it's some of the prettiest buildings and some of the prettiest parkland, um, I think, anywhere in the Midwest. So, you know, you sometimes you drive through Milwaukee, you're on I-94, you can't wait to get in and out. You're heading up, you know, obviously to like maybe the, the Door County area. But it really is a beautiful, beautiful part of the city of Milwaukee. And what I like about it is it has a lot of these old uh, kind of red brick mansions and like some of the prettiest gardens you'll ever see. It's just, it really is, it really is a, a, a charming little hamlet that I think oftentimes goes unnoticed uh, because we live in the city of Chicago. Yeah, I'm going to have to go check it out. Um, all right, forecast. What do we got coming yeah. up? All right, so um, we had some rain come through last night that pushed us almost to about five inches for the month. There's a little band of, of clouds coming through right now. This is a trough of low pressure that's basically going to lift through. So what it's going to do is it's going to keep us windy. Um, you'll notice that if you haven't been outside yet, the dew point temperature is probably about five to six degrees lower than what it was yesterday. So less humid, um, high today, probably touching 80 degrees. It's not hard to get to 80 this time of the year. Uh, but you'll feel that it's going to be a little bit cooler uh, compared to how, what it's been the last few days at the humidity level. But no rain expected today. If there's a brief sprinkle near us, it's probably going to be near the Wisconsin line, and that should be it. Uh, the best part of the day is going to be later on this evening when the sky is clear. Uh, tomorrow looks fantastic. Sun in the morning, maybe some clouds late in the afternoon. There's going to be some rain that's going to move in Tuesday. So a gorgeous, sunny Memorial Day high, 80 uh, and then probably showers and some thunderstorms, without a doubt, Tuesday and Wednesday. And both days, temperatures probably in the 70s. Uh, and then we cool off a little bit. The upper-level low basically sinks right back into the eastern Great Lakes. Um, and I think when we talk again next week, we'll be talking about uh, temperatures probably only in the 60s uh, for Friday and Saturday, maybe in the 50s along the lakefront, depending on the wind direction. But the lake water temperature is now up to 52. So any sort of a lake cooling will be a little bit less than what it was a couple of weeks ago. But by and large, temperatures uh, probably averaging about a degree or two below normal for the next seven days, and precipitation probably about a half inch or so, which would put us below normal, but it also give the, the ground a little bit of a chance to dry out, which it needs to do after the wet uh, few days that we've had. Well, you're, you're, gonna, you're making me happy, not so much Peggy. Um, no. 80, 83 is my ideal temperature. 83 is your ideal. Okay, make it 83 at some point. Would you, Rick? Could you just do that, please? I'll put my order in. Uh, I, uh, I, I don't see 83 around here for a while, but um, okay. uh, trust me, as soon as we get a couple of days of those in a row, we'll begin to complain. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, Rick DeMaio, meteorologist extraordinaire, thank you so much. You have a great week and uh, perfect Memorial Day tomorrow, so have fun then. Yeah. As my grandmother would say, happy decoration day. That's what they used to call it. Exactly. And I and I, I need to note that my father's birthday was May 30th, and for a long time, decoration day or memorial day was always on the 30th. So he always wow. he used to talk about how they always gave 
him his uh, his birthday off from work. So, uh, but then they they change it. And as a kid, he probably thought that there was a big parade down Main Street every day, every every year for him, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I think he was confused. Oh well. All right. Thanks a lot, Rick. I'll talk to you next week. See you. Take care, Mike. Bye bye. You know what? I forgot to do, and we'll do it at the end of the program. Uh, Let's give it up for Peggy Malecki here in studio. Uh, give us a little plug for uh, 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 Natural Awakenings, Chicago. Yes, our new issue for June is now out on the streets, including an article about Mike. I saw that. I yeah. got I got a little thing in the uh, – I got a Google alert about it, actually. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. See? I, I know what – Georgia, I know what I'm doing. I know how to do a Google alert. I'm really proud of you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, so we're, we're in distribution now and into early next week with the holiday. It'll be uh, getting out there by Wednesday at your favorite local place for free magazines. And where can people pick it up? Um Whole Foods, if I can say that. Yeah, you can say okay. anything. You Whole can name Foods names. Market and libraries, workout places, yoga studios, healthy restaurants, non-healthy restaurants, coffee bars, and almost anywhere else. Or yeah. on our website at nachicagonorth.com. That's true. You can also go to the website because uh, that's where I'm going to link to, um, you know, to, to see the article about me. Uh, George, thank you for, for being here. Uh we're not going to call him the intern. We'll come up with hey. uh, call call him something else until we, until we find something fancy. Intern work. That's right. It, you realize that uh, your the level of responsibility is inversely proportional to the length of the title. <laughs> so the shortest so CEO is like bam, you're the guy. But if okay. it's assistant vice president to the continuing blah blah, you know, <laughs> it means you have no power at all. All right. That's it for the Mike Novak Show. Thank you for listening. Go green or go home. Go home. Thank you.